0: You're listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or follow our messages online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. So good to have you with us today as we're continuing this series that we've been in for the past few weeks called Together. And what we've been talking about is how in this culture of disconnectedness, God is calling us to togetherness, to embrace togetherness and really to pursue purpose in the context of Christian community. We believe something happens when we gather together. Today, I want to talk to you about how the church is meant to be a spiritual family, a spiritual family. Uh, Let me start by asking this question. How many of you have friends in your life who are like family to you? Or have you ever had a friend in your life who's like family. Don't you thank God for those people? I hope you've had somebody like that in your life or you have someone like that in your life now. Uh, And when I think about uh, friends becoming family, I actually think about the movie Toy Story. Do we have any uh, Toy Story fans in the house at all? I think Toy Story is one of the best Disney movie franchises they ever came up with right? So good. The characters are great. Woody and Buzz and Rex and and Jesse. And of course, it's just fun to think about the whole idea of what it would be like if our toys came to life, right? If kids' toys came to life and had personalities. But really what the, the movies are all about, kind of the recurring theme of the movies, is this idea of these toys who are friends who become family, like they're always trying to overcome odds of people separating them or things you know that are that are causing them to be pulled apart and they have to fight to stay together as a family and uh, you know there's the the theme song of every movie you've got a friend in me right it's all about friendship and family and there's this one scene at the end of toy story 3 where all of the characters, the, the toys, they end up in this like trash compactor. Do you remember this? Woody and Buzz and, and Jesse. And they're like, you know, being forced into this incinerator. And they're trying to escape at first. And then they all kind of realize there's nothing they can do. And they all begin to like hold hands inevitably face death, right? But there's this sense of like we're family and we can face this together. And like only Disney can make you cry watching an animated movie about toys. Are you with me? Hey, don't tell me you haven't shed a tear watching the Toy Story movies, right? <laughs> Especially like when the toy, like when Andy gives the toys, away, it's like, no, Andy, you can't give Woody away. Now we know like Disney wasn't going to let them get burned up in an incinerator. They, <laughs> they get rescued. But I think scenes like that are so touching because deep down it speaks to something on the inside of us that we want friends like that, don't we? Like we want relationships to know that that we would have somebody in our lives who would be there to hold our hand no matter what we're facing. And I think that's why the movies are so popular. See, the problem for us is that we live in a culture that places supreme value on individualism and independence. I mean, we long for meaningful relationships. We long for deep friendships, but we're living in this culture of, of individuality, a culture that places more value on individual freedom and happiness than, than the good of the community. And sometimes, because we're so affected by the culture that we're living in, we bring this same mindset into our Christian experience, into our Christianity. We focus so much on on our personal relationship with God that being in community has little importance for us. But what we see in Scripture is that God places Christians in a spiritual family. That, that's what we see as we open the pages of Scripture. This is what we've been talking about the last few weeks, that God knows that we need each other. God knows that we're better together. Come on, we say that a lot around here, but we really believe that. God knows that, that deep down on the inside, we desire to know and be known, and that we flourish and we thrive when we're in healthy relationships, when we're in community. And this is what we see in the very first Christians who became the very first church in the book of Acts. So each week we're looking at this key scripture in the book of Acts. Acts tells the story of how the church got started. And so each week we're looking at these very first Christians who gathered together and God did something special The church was actually born. So let's look at this Acts chapter two, verses 42 through 47, our key scripture for this series. It says they, these early Christians, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Come on, something powerful happened when these early Christians got together. Something powerful happened when they prioritized community and relationships. And when we look at God's purpose for the church when we recognize what God is doing in this world. He's doing through a church, through a family, through a group of people that he's brought together. Here's where we recognize that God gave us the church as a spiritual family, and he invites us into community. I want you to stop and think about that for a moment. The very first description of, of the church includes friendship, Sometimes we may think of that not as a very spiritual concept. I want you to get this today. Like God put friendship, community, relationship right smack in the middle of the whole story. It's one of the key ingredients to the church being born. And so we need to pay attention to this. The church is a place where friends can become spiritual family. And so I want to give you three things that make us into a spiritual family today. I want to invite you to take some notes. Open up the Redemption app. There's a spot where you can take some notes every week. Three things that, that help us embrace this idea of friends becoming family, of a, of a church family being a spiritual family. Number one, here's the first thing, committing to fellowship. Committing to fellowship. Everybody say fellowship. Fellowship. Let's talk about what that means. Look at verse 42. It says, they devoted themselves To fellowship. Now, when we think about the word fellowship, to me, it's not really a very powerful word. In fact, I Googled the word fellowship, and according to the Oxford Dictionary, here's what it means. Friendly association, especially with people who are, who share one's interests. Friendly association. That's, I think that's kind of what we think about when we hear the word fellowship. But the word translated fellowship here, it comes from the Greek word koinonia. See, the New Testament was originally written in Greek, and this word is much more powerful. Koinonia. Here's what, here's what cornonia means. It means partnership, participation, community, shared life. Boy, that's a powerful definition of, of, of community, of, of fellowship, shared life. They recognized something. They devoted themselves to, to shared life. I love what Pastor Craig Rochelle says in his book, Lead Like It Matters. He says, God is calling us to more than just a personal relationship with Jesus. He wants us to experience a shared relationship with Him. A shared relationship with Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong. It's important to have a personal relationship with God and that we recognize that we're more than just culturally Christians, that we're not just Christians because our parents made us go to Sunday school or CCD or some religious ed class when we were kids or we got christened, right? It's important, I believe, to have a personal relationship with Jesus. But we can be so affected by our culture's value, on individualism, on independence, that, that we can see ourselves as a bunch of individuals who just come to church. That's probably our natural default setting. I'm an individual who comes to church. I have a personal relationship with God and I go to church so that my personal relationship with God can be strengthened. Let me show you a scripture that kind of blows that up. First John chapter one, verse seven. Here's what the apostle John said. He said, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship. We have koinonia with one another. We have shared life with one another in the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. The apostle John says that we even experience salvation together. Like you're not even just getting saved by yourself. Yes, you need to personally place your faith in Jesus. I think there's a moment when you need to place your faith in him. We preach that around here. But if we follow what John's saying here, John's saying that you're being saved into something. You're being saved from something into God's church, into God's people, into God's family. Do you see it? Even your salvation isn't as personal as you thought it was. Some of you never thought about it that way before. We're being saved into God's family. What God is doing in this world, He's doing through His church. Fellowship is essential because we need each other to grow as followers of Jesus. We need each other's strengths. We need each other's giftings. We need each other's experiences. We need each other's story. Come on, somebody needs your story. You don't just come to church to get something as you get involved, as you get rooted, as you get connected. Here's what you discover. Somebody needs what you got. Somebody needs what you've been through. Somebody needs your spiritual gifting. Somebody needs your testimony. Somebody who's going through a divorce needs to know how you survived getting through your divorce. Somebody who's going through financial struggles needs to know that God brought you through it. And if he did it for you, he'll do it for them. We're going to come back and talk some more about that next week, that we all have a, a mission that we find, purpose that we find, but you got to recognize that, that, that we're better together. I, there, there's something that you have that I need, and there's something that, that I have that you need. I don't just come to preach a message on Sunday that you need, but I, I've gotten so much from this church family. There's a, there's a gift that you have. There's an experience with Jesus that you have, and, and when I hear your testimony and your story and I see the faithfulness of God in your life, I get a more complete picture of who Jesus is, we really are better together. And so we truly need a shared relationship with God and each other. And the early Christians, the early believers, they understood this. Look at verse 44. It says, And all the believers were together. Like they prioritized togetherness, they prioritized community, they understood the importance of this. And so they, they gathered together regularly because family gatherings are how families stay connected. How many of you know that's true? How many of you have a, uh, sometime a year when you gather together with your family, maybe it's for holidays, you know, we go, we're coming into the holiday season, maybe you have an annual family reunion that kind of keeps you connected as a family. So in just a few weeks for us, um, Thanksgiving's coming up and we always go down to see uh, the Ziegler side of the family down in New Orleans. And in my family, our big tradition is we have the annual turkey bowl. We've been playing a football game in my family going back to like the early 80s. I mean, this is a big deal in our family, y'all. We used to have a trophy. Like, it was a serious competition. It used to be that we have a lot of, we have a lot of boys in the family, kind of have a boy dominated family. My dad's one of six boys, and a lot of his brothers had, yeah, boys. And so it used to be the uncles versus the nephews. And it was really competitive. I mean, there was like banners and like signs and like trophies. And, and, uh, and then all of my uncles got old and decrepit and it became really a lot less competitive. And so now it's kind of a fun family game Um, but you know, like my kids are like, I've been playing this since I was a little kid. And now my kids look forward to the Turkey bowl every year and they're out throwing the football and getting ready. It's like a rite of passage in the Ziegler family. You know, it's this football game that holds us together. I mean, we, 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 we're not going to miss it. We're going to be there for the Turkey bowl. Okay. So pray for your pastor that I don't like, you know, pull a muscle or something like that. But here's the deal. we We have a family gathering every seven days in this house. And if you find yourself feeling a little bit disconnected, maybe you're watching online today, you've been feeling like a little bit disconnected and not as close to God and not as close to to people here. Come on, we have a family gathering every seven days. Why don't you go ahead and prioritize being here for the family reunion? Because it's what helps you stay connected to, to what God's doing in your life and what God's doing in this world. Hebrews chapter 10, Verse 24 through 25, the writer of Hebrews said this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, not you, you're here today, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, encouraging one another. And you know, I talk to believers all the time who feel discouraged, you know, who don't feel close to God or don't feel like they're growing spiritually and kind of feel like they've drifted. And often it's because they're not finding encouragement in community. Come on, the writer of Hebrews doesn't guilt trip people. He says, prioritize being together. Why? Because because you find encouragement when you're together. We need this. And so, so many times I, I talk to people And it's like, man, you got to get back into fellowship. You got to get back into koinonia. You got to get back into shared relationship because that's where the Holy Spirit encouragement is. And some people will say, well, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian, right? That's that overly personal relation. I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Well, guess what? You don't have to go home to be married, but stay away from home long enough and see what kind of marriage you have. Like, we, we need to be in fellowship. Like, this is, this is where we rehearse what it looks like to be the people of God. You know, one day we're all going to be in heaven together, right? <laughs> like, we're going to be in heaven together worshiping for the rest of our lives. We might as well start practicing and rehearsing what we're going to be doing for eternity. We're going to be in fellowship together. And the good thing is there's going to be food. Come on, did you read about it? The marriage supper of the Lamb. We're going to throw down. We're going to eat. We're going to have glorified bodies, and we're not going to gain weight. It's going to be awesome. You don't want to miss it. Be there, okay? Okay. <laughs> But here's the reality. If the church was Jesus's idea, right? Like he left a church, then we need to take this serious. Like this isn't me just like trying to get you to come to church more often. I want you to be plugged into what God is doing in this world. I want you to be plugged in to that encouragement. I want you to be plugged into the place where you can benefit from other people's giftings, other people's stories, other people's testimonies. And we got to recognize if this is what God is doing in the world, then man, I want to be a part of it. I want to be invested in it. I love what Pastor Justin Kendrick said in his book, The Sacred Us. He said, you can't have a personal relationship with Jesus if you're unwilling to have a committed relationship with his people. Got to take that serious. Like, I can't imagine meeting somebody saying, well, Pastor Jeremy, I like you, but I'm just not into your family. Hey, guess what? We're not going to be very good friends. <laughs> well, thanks for letting me know. We're not going to be cool, okay? <laughs> you and me, we're going to be like this, not like this, like this, right? Because we're a package deal. You can't have a personal relationship with Jesus if you're not willing to, to be in a committed relationship with his people. To be a Christian is to be in community. Like, you weren't meant to go it alone. Like, a Christian without a spiritual family is an orphan, Is a spiritual orphan. And let me just tell you, this is what the enemy wants. The enemy wants us to get so busy that we don't have time for fellowship. The enemy wants us to have other priorities that compete with us being together in worship, being in relationship. The enemy wants us to be so focused on our career goals, so focused on making money, so focused on our personal aspirations, on our self-realization. He wants us to be so focused on those things that that we don't value community. And honestly, it's working, honestly. I I hate to say it. The enemy's tactic, it's really powerful. And so we got to do something counter and say, no, no, I have to recognize I'm called to shared relationship. I'm called. I'm, I don't just go to church. I am the church. I'm called to be part of the people of God, the family of God. And Christian maturity requires that you, that you shift your thinking from we're a bunch of separate individuals going to church to we're a single people united as one. We're a single people united united as well. Let me tell you, the number one thing that'll help you grow spiritually is to commit to a local church. If you're, if you're new here, we love to say, welcome home. If this ends up not being the right church for you, that's okay. Find a church, get plugged in, put some roots down. That's how you grow spiritually. You don't grow bouncing around from place to place. Just listen to Christian podcasts, watching Christian television. You grow when you get rooted somewhere. You get in fellowship, you get in accountability, you get in spiritual submission, you serve, you give. That's how you grow. And number one way you grow is to put down some roots and commit to a church family. Here's the second thing. Number, we're talking about some things that help us become spiritual family. Number two is showing love for each other. showing love for each other. Look at verses 44 through 45. It says, "All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. They showed love to each other. Now this was a unique time in the early church right, among these very first believers. This was a unique time when they literally pooled their property and resources together to meet each other's needs. Talk about radical generosity. Can you imagine, like, what, what radical generosity and love and commitment to each other? I mean, these believers demonstrated their love for each other. I mean, talk about spiritual family, right? Like, it's one thing to say, man, I love my church family. These guys demonstrated it. Talk about spiritual family. Let me ask you this. What does... What does, uh, what does love look like in the context of, of your family, especially if you're you know, living with family, or if you're a parent and you have kids, or maybe you think about what it looked like if you live by yourself. Maybe you think about what it looked like when you were growing up with your family. What does love look like in the context of your family? I don't know what it looks like at your house. I can tell you what it looks like at the Ziegler house. It looks like a lot of serving each other it looks like a lot of dishes and laundry and vacuuming and cooking, right? And taking out the garbage and getting kids ready for school. I've been thinking lately about just getting a butler outfit and just wearing it around the house and just going up to my kids and saying, how might I serve you today? Because most of my life is picking up after kids. Do I have some parents in the house who can say, amen, pastor? Come on, let's preach. Let's encourage each other. (laughs) A lot of my life, it's serving, right? Like love in my house looks like taking out the garbage and doing dishes, all, all of those things. That, that's what it looks like in a family. And, and the reality is, is that it's going to cost us something to love each other. How many of you know that's true? Like spiritual family and community, it's, it's inconvenient at times. It's going to cost us something to, to love people. It doesn't always fit into our busy schedules. But here's the reality. It's always worth it because it gets you outside of yourself, community rescues you from making the whole world about you. And everything in our culture tells us to make the world about you. And God gives us this gift of church that snaps us out of it and gets our eyes on other people. And here's the beautiful thing about being a part of a family. You don't just get love. You don't just, get, uh, you don't just serve and, and give love to others. You actually receive it yourself. You don't just give it out, but you receive it. It comes, it comes back to you. When I think about this I think about when COVID first hit, you know, a couple of years ago and we were in lockdown and and uh, kind of distance from each other as a church family and people were starting to get sick and this was before we had the vaccine and people were really having to do like serious quarantine back then, you know, they couldn't cheat the quarantine like we do now. But people were locked down and and we were bringing meals to each other and and we were sending meal deliveries and and it was just like you know, a lot of giving of ourselves, caring for our church family. Every week at staff meeting, we were talking about who's sick, who do we need to care for. We were doing a lot of community outreach during, during that time and, and giving of ourselves to other people. But I'll tell you what a blessing it was when me and my family got COVID last year and the church family blessed us and brought us groceries and sent meals to us. Like it was beautiful to be on the receiving end. Like that's, that's spiritual family. That's that's a picture of what it's meant to to look like. Now, being a spiritual family doesn't mean you're going to go sell all of your possessions like we read about in Acts chapter 2. This was kind of a unique time in the early church. We don't really see this replicated anywhere else in Scripture, but there's something powerful here. There's something powerful here about what we see. The the, the idea is that our hearts are positioned toward each other. Their hearts, the early believers, their hearts were positioned toward each other, and we're called to, to do the same thing. And so it may not mean that you're gonna go sell all of your possessions, but it means that your your heart is positioned toward other believers. Maybe it's praying for someone. Maybe it's giving somebody some encouragement. Uh, maybe it's, it's meeting someone's need that you can meet practically. Maybe somebody, somebody in your life group or a team that you're serving with gets sick and you can bring them a meal or you can order a meal and have it delivered to their house. Or uh, maybe it is actually meeting a financial need in someone's life if God leads you to do so. Like, our hearts are positioned toward each other. I'll tell you, one of the most, one of the most uh, finest moments in the history of our church was, was when COVID first happened. Um, I'll never forget, you know, when, when COVID happened and things were sh- shut down and we couldn't meet together anymore, and, and there was this sense of, like, what's going to happen? And, and, and I, you know, I was a little bit worried about the finances of the church. We had a staff to pay, and we were doing community outreach, and, and, and I was worried, like, what's going to happen? Is the church going to make it financially? And can I tell you the most beautiful thing that happened? The opposite happened. People didn't get stingy with their giving. People got generous with their giving, and they saw that we were doing outreach in the community, and, and uh, every week, Pastor Dave was leading volunteers and going out. We were serving people and serving our, our first responders and caring for people in our church family. And you know what happened? People began to reach out to me and say, hey, Pastor Jeremy, I want to bless a family in need. We had a lot of families in need. We had a lot of single moms. We had a lot of people get laid off, and that was before the, you know, the relief checks started coming and unemployment kicked in. If you remember those days, a lot of people, it was really difficult. And people would would message me and say, hey, Pastor, I want to give $2,000 to a family in need. Can you get it to somebody? And they would give it to me and it would go right out the door to a family in need. And I'm telling you, for like the first month, I sat at my kitchen table so many times. I remember one time putting gift cards, grocery gift cards, in the mail to people and just with tears in my eyes thinking, this is what spiritual family is about. This is spiritual family. Talk about living the book of Acts. And I mean, something like $30,000 came in in the first few weeks and went right out the door to different families in our church in need. That's spiritual family. That's what it looks like to have our hearts positioned toward each other. Love looks like something. And when we love each other, we prove that we're family. And I'll tell you, it's attractive to the world around us. This is one of the things that caused the early church to grow. And it's something that God wants to use among us, that our love would be so powerful, that it would be a witness to people around us, that there would be this sense like, whatever it is those people have, I want what they've got. I want what they've got. Here's the third thing. We're talking about the things that make us a spiritual family. We're learning from the early church, the very first believers. Point number three is this, doing life together. Doing life together. Just, just doing life together. Look at verse 46. It says they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Do you know what that means? Let me give you the scholarly interpretation. It means they were having fun together. <laughs> they were having fun together. Like, that like fun is spiritual. Like, getting together. Like, if this was written for our times, it'd be like they got together and they ate pizza together, you know? They had, they had uh, empanadas together, right? Come on. They got together. They had a good time. They had fellowship. They, they had food. It doesn't say, and everyone came to church and stared at the back of each other's head and didn't talk to anybody and left and did the same thing every week. No, they were, they were doing life together. They were in fellowship, shared relationship together. They were literally in each other's homes. They were sharing meals and building relationships You know, one of my my favorite memories of this church is in the early years when we used to host Life. The very first Life Group happened at our house. We had an apartment in Harrison and And some of you are still around who came through our life group in our living room. And it was so cool to watch kind of our church taking off, like right there in our living room, the very first people who are getting connected and finding relationships to kind of see a group of unrelated people become a church family. And I remember that was like one cycle of life groups. We had like 25 people in our life group. And my my apartment was not that big in Harrison. There were times where I'd look around and we just had people like in every direction at our house and we were eating together. And I'm pretty sure half of those people, they were showing up every week just for the food. Come on. And God. God can use that. (laughs) Even if they're showing up at Life Group just for the food, watch how God blesses that. He'll take you and make you into a spiritual family. Like something happens when we sit down together and just break bread together and do life together. It was so beautiful to watch all of these people coming together. And I'll tell you, it meant something to me because I'll never forget rolling up here in 2014, moving to Westchester and having nobody and not having any friends. And so to watch uh, a church family kind of being born in those early life groups in our living room was so, so cool, so special. It says they broke bread together with glad and sincere hearts. Glad and sincere hearts. The the early Christians, they experienced gladness. This is one of the byproducts of them gathering together. They they enjoyed each other. You know what happens in, in our culture is that individuality leads to isolation, and isolation leads to emptiness. And here's the sad thing. We don't mean for it. We just kind of get caught up in what our culture is doing with achievement and, and you know self-actualization and achieving all of our goals. And and we get so focused on that that our individuality leads to isolation. And then isolation leads to a sense of emptiness. But here's what we see when we gather together in relationships with, with, with friendships. It fills our hearts with gladness. Come on, it fills our hearts with gladness. One scholar said that friendships doubles our joys. It lessens our pains and it doubles our joys. It halves the difficult things in our lives. And it doubles your joy to have somebody in, in your life, in, in your corner. And it says they had sincerity of heart. They broke bread together with glad and sincere hearts. They were real. They were authentic. They were open. Nobody was trying to put on a, a, put on a front. Can I just encourage you today? Like some of you, you, you got to step out into openness. Like you got to embrace some vulnerability. Like maybe you've been in a life group or, or a team. Let me tell you, you're going to get out of it what you put into it. And I know for some of you that's difficult. Maybe you've you've been at a church family where you got hurt before or you've been in relationships outside of the church where there's been disloyalty or there's been disappointment and your heart's a little bit closed off. Can I just encourage you today to take a step of faith? I I know it's it's a risk to open your heart. Maybe you're going through something and you're like, man, I just need somebody to talk to. I need somebody to pray with, but I don't know what people are going to think about me if I share this thing. I I know, I know those thoughts can be there. I know it can be scary to kind of take a step toward other people. But can I just encourage you that that when you open your heart, you open your heart to friendships, it opens you to joy. Pastor Justin Kendrick said this, when you are willing to let others in, God makes your heart bigger. And every time you widen your heart, God deepens your joy. That's what happens when somebody comes along in your life who can carry that burden with you. Let me tell you what's going to happen most often when you open up to share something, some sin, some failure, something you've been wrestling with, something that was done to you. You're going to be surprised how often you're going to hear somebody say, oh, I know how you feel. I've been there before. I've been there before. I've been through that. And you might even be surprised because the Holy Spirit knows how to orchestrate things. You might even be surprised when that person says to you, you know what, I've been through that very thing that you've been through. Let me tell you how God worked in my life. Let me tell you how God brought me through that. Let me tell you how God sustained me. Come on, and if he did it for me, he'll do it for you. Come on, can I encourage you? Take a step toward openness. Maybe it's just coming up to pray with the prayer team today. I got something I got to get off my chest. I got something I need somebody to just agree with with me on. Maybe it's going to somebody in your life group. Maybe it's going to somebody on your team. Maybe it's just opening up and watch how God fills your heart with joy. And so as I look at this, as I watch what God is doing in the world, as I look at the early church and I study the book of Acts, you know what this tells me? God understands that we need friendships. Think about that friendship, spiritual friendship, like friendship within the context of church is downright spiritual. Koinonia, we're not just talking about a couple people that we go to church with. We're talking about shared relationship. Remember we talked about last week, like we, we don't just go to church to get, we're becoming something together. God is doing something in our lives together God is inviting us to be a part of a spiritual family. He, he recognizes that friendship is vital to our health, to our well-being. And, and so God wants to place us in, into a community that the church is all about God making a new people for himself, a new humanity, a people who would carry his presence, a people who would embody his purpose in this world. Do, do you get this? God is doing something in every local church. We're meant to be an expression of what he's doing in this world. His people, a new humanity created in Christ Jesus. It's all about friends who can become spiritual family. Now listen, spiritual family is going to be messy at times. It's going to be messy at times. I had three brothers and I have the scars to prove it. Find me at the church, I'll show you. (laughs) I carry the visible reminders of growing up with three brothers. It's going to be messy at times, but I wouldn't change it for the world that I had brothers growing up. There's going to be times where we rub each other the wrong way. There's going to be times where we offend each other. There's going to be times where we don't live up to each other's expectations. But here's the reality. There's nothing, there's nothing like the family of God. There's nothing like being a part of the people of God. Watch how God changes your life when when you root in, when you get plugged in. I've seen it my whole life. I've seen it my whole life. And I tell my kids, wherever you go, whatever you do in life, you always find a local church and you root down because that, that's your family that's your family. And so let me leave you with a few ideas of how to put this message into practice, some next steps that you can take to embrace community, to embrace spiritual family. Number one is this, commit to membership. Commit to membership. In fact, you can do that today. We have growth track happening after the 1115 service. Go to breakfast somewhere, come back and join us. You don't have to sign up, just show up at the multi-purpose room today after the 1115 service. And We're going to talk about what it means to be a part of a church family. We're going to talk about what we're all about here and invite you to to commit to membership. Why why is that? Because nothing will grow you like committing to a local church. And I said it before, if you're you're newer here, if you've been here for a few months or you've been here for a a year and you've never taken that step of committing to membership, I want to invite you to do that. And and I hope that redemption is the right place for you. I hope this is home. But if not, find somewhere, find a church where you can root, root down because commitment always grows our character commitment always grows our character just give it a year you want to grow spiritually you want to be closer to god you want to get a breakthrough give it one year root down in a local church i'm going to get committed i'm going to give i'm going to serve i'm going to be a part of this thing i'm going to be in fellowship watch how god changes your life watch how god changes your life when you put down roots the scripture says we flourish in the house of God we flourish in the courts of our God when we root down those who are rooted in the house of God they're the ones who flourish commit to membership here's the second thing find your people find your people and this might be like joining a life group maybe God's been putting on your heart to start a life group I've had some conversations like that recently where we need some more life groups around here maybe there's and where you live geographically um, there's not there's not a life group or maybe there's a certain demographic that you have a heart for and I want to encourage you to consider doing that go to our website and Go to Next Steps. You can find life groups from there. Pastor Daniel would love to work with you. Join a life group. Help start a life group. Get on a team. Start serving. You know, our teams are all about serving, but the beautiful thing is a lot of times people find their tribe. They find their people by joining a team here at our church. See, as our church grows larger, it also has to grow smaller. The reality is that I can't keep up with all the needs. I love you as your pastor, but the church grew past my capacity a long time ago to keep up with every need. And what happens is when people aren't Connected in friendships when they go through a difficult time when they get sick when they have a baby When they're going through some season of life where they kind of can't make it to church as much Nobody knows to check on them. So many people get hurt and They're and Like when I left that church, nobody checked on me was well, like were you in intentional fellowship? Were you in relationship? Let me just tell you something. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how successful you are I don't care what your job title is. There's is going to come a time in your life when you need other people Do you hear me because our culture tells us the opposite? There's going to come a time in your life when you cannot give enough money to have somebody hold your hand and pray with you and look you in the eyes and tell you you're going to get through this. God's going to provide for you. He's going to make a way. You can't put a price tag on that. But you got to start building that now. you got to start building that now. You've got to be intentional. And here's the third thing. Show love to somebody. Show love to somebody. I love that last point doing life together. I love that point about how they care for each other's needs. Show love to somebody. Maybe there's somebody you need to text, somebody you haven't seen around here in a while. I've been doing that lately, just texting some people. Hey, I've just been missing you. Redemption's not the same without you. Would you do that today? Come on, this is, I'm giving you a Holy Spirit-inspired homework assignment today. Get your phone If you're newer to our church, you're exempt. But if you've been around here for a while, get your phone out and just make note of two or three people that you haven't seen in a while and just text them and say, you know what? redemption's not the same without you. I miss you. How are you doing? How can I pray for you? Just checking on you. That'll mean so much to somebody check on somebody um show love show love come serve with us at the fall serve event it's amazing what happens when we serve other people how god binds us together and you end up getting blessed i want to leave you with the words of a great hymn actually it's not a great hymn it's the song you've got a friend in me from toy story (laughs) you've got a friend in me you've got a friend in me you've got troubles i've got them too there isn't anything i wouldn't do for you we stick together and see it through because you've got a friend in me. Come on, turn to somebody, you've got a friend in me. We should just sing that one time together. You've got a friend in me. Why don't you stand with me this morning, guys? Let me pray for you. The church is a place where friends can become spiritual family. Where friends can become a spiritual family. That's what God wants for us. He doesn't want you isolated, he doesn't want you by yourself, he wants you plugged in, he wants you rooted, he wants you connected. God's doing something in this world. What He's doing, He's doing through His church, and God invites us to be a part of that community. Would you just pray with me today? Father, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your love. God, we thank you for the gift of community that you haven't left us in this world by ourselves to pursue you by ourselves, but you, you've placed us in, in a family. We thank you for that today. And God, we recognize our need for community today. We recognize our need for community. And God, we even repent for the times that we've been so focused on ourselves that we just made it all personal. We made it all personal that we forgot that, that God, what you're doing in this world, you're doing through your church. We're not even being saved by ourselves. We're being saved into a family together. We just thank you for that today. We thank you for this beautiful expression of spiritual family. I pray for the person today who feels lonely. I pray for the person who's here with us today, who's watching online, who feels disconnected, who feels like they're going through this life by themselves. I pray that they would know today that they are not by themselves. They are not by themselves, God. There are people around them people around them. And I pray that you would help every one of us to have courage to take some step today, some step toward community, some step toward relationship, whatever it is, growth track, joining a team, coming up for prayer, some step toward friendship, spiritual friendship in your house. And Lord, this morning as we're praying, I just feel led to pray for the person today who feels so far away from you, God the person who, even as I'm describing your family, would say, Pastor Jeremy, I want that deep down in my heart. I long to be known, to be loved for who I am. I long to to feel close to God, but I I feel so far away from him, but there's something in me that wants the very thing that you described. And if that's you today, I believe that the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart and we believe that God is drawing you to himself by his son, Jesus to be born again into the family of God starts with placing your faith in Jesus and he's tugging on your heart today and if that's you I just want to invite you to say yes to him today come on just say yes to him under your breath right where you are Jesus I say yes to you today Jesus I place my faith in you today just pray that with me Jesus I place my faith in you today I believe you are who you said you are son of God you lived a sinless life on my behalf just pray this with me that you went to the cross for my sins, that you were resurrected to give me new life. And I place my faith in you. I turn from my sin. I turn toward you. I trust in you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. Father, I thank you for every person who prayed that prayer. Lord, the scripture says that your spirit testifies to their spirit. They're born again rise out. Abba, Father, they're welcome as sons and daughters born into the family of God, and we rejoice in Jesus' name. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. We hope you can listen or join us next week.